there are still children sitting in classrooms who are waiting and hoping that a teacher is going to stand up and say, I'm here for you. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to develop your identity. There's still much, much work to do. Welcome to School and Around, a podcast hosted by Branching Minds featuring prominent leaders, subject matter experts, and thought innovators with their perspectives on the current challenges facing K-12 education. I'm your host, Larissa Napolitan, a former teacher, instructional coach, and a member of the Branching Minds team here to lead conversations with educational leaders and experts. My hope is to share with you not only valuable insights and knowledge from leaders in education, but have fun while doing it and shine a light on phenomenal educators and those that are on a mission to transform our schools and the lives of students. Most teachers will tell you that teaching is not just about helping students learn content, but about learning how to think about themselves, the world, and their place in it. Our guest today talks a lot about the power of story and how that can help students find their way, especially if they're an immigrant student encountering language and cultural challenges. Emily Francis is a teacher, author, and speaker who's excited to talk about the potential of English language learners because she knows exactly what they're experiencing. As an immigrant student herself, she has lived what many students around the country are experiencing now. She is passionate about sharing with educators the power that stories can have in unlocking student potential. She even wrote a book about her story and the stories of her students called If You Only Knew, Letters from an Immigrant Teacher. In today's episode, Emily and I sat down to discuss the power of stories and how teachers and administrators can reach English language learners in really powerful ways. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, Emily Francis. Um, Emily is a teacher of students learning English. So maybe just describe to us a little bit of your title and your background and and share a little bit about uh, yourself for our listeners. Oh, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for this space and this opportunity to share, not just about me, but my book as well. So I really appreciate this opportunity. I am an ESL teacher. I teach English as a second language. I taught at the elementary level for six years before transitioning to the high school level. So this is my 11th year teaching ESL. Um, and I mainly work with newcomer students. And that was the reason I transitioned from elementary to high school was because I work with students who reflect the same experiences that I lived um, while I was 15 years old. So I'm, I found my niche and I'm there working with high school students who are trying to get a high school diploma and learning English at the same time. So I see myself doing that for many, many years, <laughs> but I'm an immigrant myself. So working with them is just working from the heart. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I forgot to mention, you're like you said, you have a book. You're also an author and speaker. I know you go to different conferences and share about your story. Um, I, I, you know, I learned a little bit about you from your online presence, and I was like, oh, she's busy. She's got <laughs> lots of stuff going on. So, um, we're gonna kind of get into those things. But first of all, you know a lot of immigrants have different kinds of stories. So what kind of drew you to be an educator and pursue um, this field and support I mean, students this way? Yeah, I mean, it, being an education is something I wanted to do my whole life. If you read that part of my, in my book, it tells you exactly where uh, that seed was planted in my heart. But, you know, being an English language learner, that seemed like a so far away dream come true. It's just, I struggled with so many factors to, to get to the point of becoming a teacher. And I think that's exactly what pushed me more to get this licensure to work with students who are experiencing the same things that I experienced. And so just the fact that I was um, able to get into a field where I can work with students to change that narrative, it's just, like you said, your presence in social media is I'm all over the place because the stories need to be heard about the possibilities, you know, like Mm -hmm. I struggled, I went through all of these things, but the goal is to finally become a world changer. And I think that's what we're doing with students, you know, trying to help them find that way, that path to become the world changers we want them to be. Mm -hmm. And really changing the world of one student can also change a family, can change um, a, a gener, you know, a group of students, their friends, every, everyone that that student interacts with can also be changed because of their story. I think that's so I'm already got goosebumps. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is, um, because I, I'm, I just, I see that like I, in your intro, in your book, you just said, you talked about the power of stories and like how the, the need to share, share the stories. And so, um, I, I would love to talk just a little bit about your book. It's called If You Only Knew, um, Letters from an Immigrant Preacher. Um, so what have you learned in the process of writing this book and, and sharing these stories with people? What's something maybe you've learned as you've, you've t- talked about it and gone out to conferences and things like that? Well, first of all, I've, the, the reason the format of the book is about me and students is because in the process of making the book, we realized that me telling my story, it, I mean, in itself is powerful. I think an immigrant story in itself, a memoir, it brings a lot of light to those whose paths are totally different and brings that empathy. But in, then as we were talking about the book, what brings light and passion for me to talk about what I do is the connections that I've been able to make with my students. And so the pedagogy that I use right now, the way I treat my students, the way I work with teachers is all because of the connections that I've created with these immigrant students. And so what I've learned throughout the book process is that as much as we want to tell our stories, we have to realize that our stories are shaped by those around us. And again, what I do and what I say and what I teach is all based on the experiences that I've had in classrooms. Yes, 
I bring to the classroom all this knowledge of an immigrant and, you know, as a mother and as a, a daughter and a sister, but at the same time, learning and connecting with students has helped me go throughout the country and share, hey, there are still children sitting in classrooms who are waiting and hoping that a teacher is going to stand up and say, I'm here for you. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to develop your identity. There's still much, much work to do. And so the process of the book um, has helped me push a little more not to sell the book. Yes, I want you to buy the book. And read it. <laughs> but at the same time, this eight stories that you read in the book, nine with mine, is they're going to give you... Um, a light or an idea of that child that is sitting in the classroom and might help you to guide them mm-hmm. in the right direction. Well, and I, I want to read a quote here that you just in your introduction, um, just about how you want people to remember two things is that you're not alone, mm-hmm. no matter what obstacles you're facing, whether it's being in a new country, being new to a country or even just trying to fit in, we all struggle in some way at some point in our lives. And we often feel alone in those struggles. Mm -hmm. And I I love that, that note of just that we, um, telling stories makes us not feel so alone. And I think that there's power in that for educators in general. I think, you know, as we, um, you know, kind of are in this era of teachers feeling maybe alone in some of the the struggles that they're, they're dealing with, or even just alone in helping students, right? Like feeling like there's, there's only so much of me to go around to help these students. So why do you think the power, why do you think that like stories are important for educators? Like, why do you think that? I just think it brings that missing piece in academia like we are getting paid to teach reading and writing and all those core instructional areas that are helping our students growing knowledge but we're not all made of like book smart you know we have a heart we have a soul we have culture we have family and all of that needs to be taken into account and so as as great as someone has just come out of college with all this knowledge and content making connections with children and getting to know their stories is going to bring that peace that you need to be Mm. able to really connect with the student to say, hey, it's not all about learning this content. It's not all about learning how to do this math problem. It's about being human, like really developing who you are, because really who we are is what's going to help you in in society. Like, look what I'm doing right now. I'm out in the world using my own experiences to shape someone else's identity. And so our children are like that too. So if we only focus on content and content and not connecting with personal stories, we're teaching our children that it's all about academia and not really about human connections. Like we all crave connections. We all want to say, oh, I'm like you or, oh, I'm different than you. But really had to be explicitly taught. Like I, for 10 years, never shared my immigrant story until someone asked. Mm. So for children, they are going to be hiding that story or putting it away, thinking that it's not important until someone asks. And I think it's us as educators to provide that space, that mm-hmm. time and that chair at the classroom for them to share their stories. 
Well, I that I feel like this really resonates with me as a as an English teacher. What I one of the things I was really passionate about was students learning to to write and having that rhythm of um telling their story and like doing that personal essay that work to um to sort of like really dig into memories or even just like how they experience life. And I think that that can be really powerful for them to learn I mean, so many different aspects of content and academia, right? Like we can learn the content, but also, you know, help them become human. Because I often said that as a as a middle school teacher, I it was also about helping them be human a little bit too, <laughs> because that, that learning those skills, but also learning how to understand themselves and how telling their story can be a part of, um, can be a part of healing. It can be part of just figuring out what you want to do with your life. It can be figuring out, um, just where you want to be. There's so many aspects of that that are, are, are really important. Um, and I like what you said about connection, how it's not just content, but also connection. And, I think that's, it's so important, especially for learning. I mean, and that plays into brain science, right? Like it goes back to the idea of when we, um, make connections with other human beings, it connects in the brain, like, you know, and how that really helps, um, you know, cement those, those, uh, the skills for those students. That's right. And if I can give you an example, you find that in the book with my economics teacher, when, when I was finally able to leave the ESL classroom to go to a content classroom, you know, sitting there with an economics teacher, ah, open to page 134, let's read about supply and demand. So there am I reading about a content that he's getting paid for to teach me. But at the same time, I'm reading it and making a personal connection because I knew all about supply and demand. I had sold oranges as a nine-year-old. I knew what it was to supply and demand personally. So if I would have had a personal connection with that teacher, I would have raised my hand and say, hey, can I share with my peers about this, like real life stuff? But because I never had that interaction with teachers, I kept that to myself. And look at that. That was a waste of Mm-hmm. interaction that I could have had, you know, and that's, that's why I'm so huge about, yes, we, we need to teach our content, but at the same time, let's find what our students already know about this and see what richness they can bring to enhance that piece of the academia in the classroom. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, around here, we, we talk about MTSS and one of the mm-hmm. aspects of MTSS is that strengths-based mm-hmm. instruction and that, and learning how to to identify those strengths in a student and utilize that in the way that you, um, help them. I mean, I just remember, like I have students that were really gifted artists. And so I would help let them illustrate different things or use a picture to, to, instead of writing something, you know, because they wanted, you know, I knew that they would like gravitate towards that. And even more so is like, if I could, I was like, Hey, can I use that for my next class? And they're like, okay. (laughs) But that's what I think that like, you know, good teachers can find those gems and students and, and, and really like highlight that and shine that and help kind of dig for those diamonds of the, uh, of their skills and their strengths. Um, 
but you have to have a relationship with those students. Like you said, you have to build that connection. Um, and I think that's why those, there's so much, I think there's a lot of statistics around like the power of a relationship with a student and how much that can impact what that student does in the, in the classroom. Um, so like, I mean, I think we highlight on this podcast a lot, how multifaceted teachers have to be <laughs> Yes. And all the things that they have to do with students. Yeah, like think in a moment too, because you could be like so focused in your content and then you'll have a student who interrupts and say, hey, I have a connection and you you have to allow that space and time. And that may throw off your lesson plan a little bit. And in that moment, as a teacher, we just got to, you know, switch hats and, and, and allow that student to, to interact with that content. Mm-hmm with peers and that creates connection not just with teacher to student but student to student because I never was mm. able to interact with any of my peers nobody ever knew anything about me as I couldn't make those connections unless they spoke Spanish then but I never even told them anything so mm-hmm. it's, it's important to to allow that time yeah well and I think that that is that is also true in you know, building the peer to peer. Cause I think that that helps with language development is like that interactions from peer to peer and being able to actually, you know, go beyond just the, the talking about homework and, and building those friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important for, I mean, social, de- social development and just being able to, um, form, form relationships with students around them. So it makes them feel like they belong too. I think there's a huge part of, you know, especially I would say, think that students um, coming from another country, like there's already so many elements of that feeling like you don't belong, but like to not belong among peers, people who your own age, like that's like, there's so many layers to it. And so um, building in that space and time for students to connect is, is also (laughs) important too. Totally agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you seen your work in writing this book impact yourself as an educator and even just maybe the educators around you? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I think as I read the book, I do see the strength of those connections with students. So I make it a goal to continue that same work that I started with making connections. So as soon as I get a new student, you know, if, if it worked in the past, then I need to continue doing that. And then with other teachers is the, the work the, uh, that I do is just teaching them how to make those connections. And, you know, a lot of teachers will say, well, I can't connect with students because we have different paths, you know, our walks of lives have been different. But I truly believe that text can change that mindset. I mean, you have never walked in their shoes, but read about it, like pick up, you don't have to pick up my book, pick another book, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but something that would open a window of view or something that you have never lived. And so uh, really my goal is for teachers to, to get a hold of this book and, and to give it to students. I mean, I, I, as, a, as a teenager, I would have loved to grab a book like this and flip the pages and say, wow, that's me. You know, I'm, I'm reading something that I that that this person experienced and look where she is. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, I received a few messages from a teacher who's using my podcast where I share my story and students are just left and right saying, oh my gosh, she did it, I can do it too, you know? And so as long as teachers really are taking this book and open it for for students to to 
have make those connections and see the possibilities. I think that's I will be satisfied with that. <laughs> having that book out. So, okay, you go out and you train. I know you do a lot of training. You participate in a lot of ways in helping, helping educate teachers about not necessarily maybe the concepts in your book, but like in the areas of supporting English language learners. What excites you the most about training and leading teachers in this work? I really not softening teachers' hearts, but I really having a mindset like. Be seeing students at a different mindset. Like I've had a teacher after a training just last month and she goes, listen, this is my 30th year teaching and I have never seen ELLs in a mindset that I've seen them today. That's 30 years in education. I was like, what? It's just, it blew her mind how Rehearing a true story of an ELL, the experiences of what it is to be sitting in her classroom and not understanding a word she's saying and wanting, like longing to understand, but they don't. It's heartbreaking. And they don't see mm. that. They don't understand that. And so just really going out and having teachers do one thing, you know, just do something different. If you see that ELL sitting all the way in the back, maybe invite them and sit in them up front, you know, just, you don't have to do a lot, just mm -hmm. one thing at a time that will help that student feel that sense of belonging, helping them realize that they have a place in the room, that they matter. Like really mm -hmm. all I got when I was in high school was like, good morning, hello, hi, like, that's it. There was nothing beyond the hello. And I really think it's kids are longing to have that relationship with teachers if they really care. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I go out teaching methods and strategies and talking about the research behind it. But when I bring my personal experience to it, oh my gosh, you see hearts and minds just click. Um, and I mean, as teachers, I do believe that it's not just about getting your licensure and that's it, you're done learning. I'm, this is my 11th year in the classroom and I, I'm still reading stuff like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this wrong. Like, <laughs> we are always learning and changing our pedagogy. Our students' lives are different today than they were 10 years ago. So why would I be employing the same strategies when lives are different today? And so just going around bringing that new research and talking about new methods that are working it's, 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 a, it's passionate to me. Like I, that, I wouldn't do that for, <laughs> for life. Like I like going out and talking to teachers and teaching teachers, but my passion is in the classroom. I just feel like that's where my fire lights up and, and, and that's where mm -hmm. I find my joy. I love working with teachers, but working with big humans is not the same as little humans. Oh. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, I remember when I, I was an instructional coach for about four years, worked with teachers. And then I went back to the classroom and there was nothing like, like closing my door and just having fun with my students. And really like there, there's something about just that time with them that is just, um, I mean, and I, and I remember being so disappointed, you know, when we had to stay at home and we had to do virtual school, like I missed their presence and just the amount of fun you can have with them. And I often say that now, I just, the thing I miss the most about teaching is the kids because they are, um, so much fun. And I love working with young people. I worked with eighth graders wow. and they gave me such great hope 
about the future. And I mean, I don't know if you experienced this working with high school students, but some of these eighth graders and the way that they think and the things that they're passionate about and how they care, how they care so deeply about things. I, I just, it gives me such great hope yeah. for this generation and just how much they want to see like change happen. And I just, I don't know, it just makes me excited about where they're headed. Um, you know, and so many of them have that, 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 um, the drive and it's just, yeah, there's nothing like watching that. It's amazing to see that we have the power as educators to keep encouraging what we see or really discourage it. It's amazing the power that we have as educators that we can help our students go in either path because we can really look at our students' potential and ignore it. And that flame will go away. Like you're talking about kids being excited about being world changers. But if we don't provide them opportunities or platforms to show that potential, it dies off. Like they, they, they if, if they put it away and they don't think it's important or we could look at that potential and find find ways for them to showcase it, to demonstrate it to the world. Somebody's going to get a hold of that awesomeness and is going to, you know, highlight them out in the world. And so we, I just cannot take for granted the power that we have as educators mm. to take that little life <laughs> that is empowered to us and just help them go either way. You know, hopefully we sit down and we analyze our, our pedagogy, analyze our our plans, you know. Some of us may be planning in the parking lot. Man, <laughs> we need to change that a little bit. <laughs> Look at your lesson plans a little deeper to see how we can take that life and help them go in a better path. Oh, I th- I think oftentimes we can forget that teachers can change the trajectory of a student's life. Um, one teacher, one comment, you know, there's things that students will come back and say to me after I, I like kind of offhanded, not negative comments, but like just offhanded encouragement. And they're like, Oh, that meant a lot to me. And I don't even remember saying it, but (laughs) you know, but that's why I think it's like, if that's embedded in your practice as a teacher and as an educator, and I think even as a human being to be encouraging to the people around you, to your students, Mm -hmm. that that can, that plants seeds. Right. And that is, you never know what, who else is going to water. And, and as a middle school teacher, I maybe didn't always get to see the end results. You know, they'd go on to high school, but it's so fun to see. It was fun to see my students graduate high school and go on and and see them do really cool things. And sometimes I'm like, I could see that as a, as a middle school teacher, or I could see them as, you know, that way. And, um, you know, I think that there is this, that power and you can see it like people who, you know, accept Oscars and, and, and awards are thanking a teacher. And they're like, for that third grade teacher who told me I could be a writer, like those are, those are things that's like, man, if you remember that from a third grade, like every, every word out of your mouth should be, as a teacher should be always encouraging. Um, and, and, and just helpful to students seeing their potential because they have so much potential. Um, and we have to fan the flame. Like you said, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a great point. Um, so, okay. I, I'm kind of, I'm curious here what you think, because we talk a lot to administrators and leaders in schools trying to help inspire and coach teachers. 
what would you say to school te- what should school leaders and educators know about English language learners in school? Well, uh, first of all, we need to understand that in order to support English language learners, there needs to be a community of support. You know, I've learned when I started in this profession, especially as an ESL teacher, I thought, oh, I'm going to be their salvation. Like, I'm going to change them. I, 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 I. And it got to a point when I realized that I cannot do everything. And so as administrators and teachers, we all need to understand that if we don't build a community of support on campus, our students might fall apart because they leave your classroom. Yes, you care for them, you coach them, you help them. But if they leave your classroom and they step on the next classroom and they are ignored the rest of the day or no administrator checks on them or no counselor checks on them, then that's a waste of time. Um, so I have, I have learned that when they leave my classroom, a teacher next door is going to say hello to that ELL. The student counselor is going to check on them because they just came from another country. That social worker is going to check on, make sure they have what they need outside of campus. Like I need to make sure that all the people on campus are aware that there's an ELL that needs support. And so that in itself has worked on my campus at least. I need my students to know that I'm not the only one. That yes, they can come to me if they need help. They can come to me if they need whatever but you can also go next door and miss soul is going to help you you know um so that's so important so as administrators uh, look for those body of supports that you can put in place uh for students mm. so if the student is going from hole one to hole two they need to make sure that there is someone in both holes that will support that student i know it takes work i mean it, it takes work because i mean we have 890 students on my campus but there's only a hundred ELLs. So what can we do? What can we put in place to support that um, that minority the, uh, that that really gets ignored in many times, and mm-hmm. ignoring them can lead them to the wrong path, and we don't want that. So at front, we need to build that MTSS team that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I call it MTSS because it's really not all about academics. I really think that the MTSS process needs to be for its emotional support for you know immigrants who just came from another country and. that will be my biggest, biggest tip for everyone. Just get to know that children need a lot of people who understands them, not just one. Mm -hmm. Well, and they need, well, because I think feeling seen and feeling like, oh, they know that I'm here. They're paying attention. There's people I can go to, to ask for help. Like, you know, having several people, because I think oftentimes especially if you're learning a language too, like feeling, feeling places where you can feel comfortable to mess up, to feel like, even if you don't say something right, like you feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's so important to build those relationships and that it takes time and it takes intentionality. I think on the adults part to really check in on the student, to see what they need, um, to offer routes, because I know in in my classroom, I had, I was ESL certified. So I had all, I had all the, um, uh, language learners. And what was fun about that was that there are some classes I had like more, like a larger group of them and the others. And so really trying to create a community of support. So it's like everyone in the class was, you know, uh, 
you know, involved with each other. So that really helped help them feel, feel safe in that way. Um, and, but it took a lot of time and intentionality of like, you know, buddying kids up sometimes we're like, Oh, I know they both like this thing. And that's making those connections with students. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think also too, like that's like extracurriculars are a great way to help kids get involved and in finding, uh, um, a place to feel like they have something in common with kid, other people and adults too. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any other advice that you would have for, um, educators in, um, helping them understand the immigrant journey or just even supporting English language learners? Well, being an ESL teacher, I think second language acquisition is huge for me. And I think that's something that not a lot of teachers are aware of how second language is acquired and how second language process works. Mm -hmm. And so I've had teachers who said, well, he's been here for six months. He hasn't said a word. Well, second language process works a certain <laughs> way. So sometimes the lack of knowledge can cause um, a teacher to, to be acting in a way that they shouldn't be acting or being impatient toward an English language learner. Um, I even had to learn how second language acquisition works because I, I was living it, but I didn't understand. Like I was confused why, you know, prepositions are so hard, you know, but <laughs> Second language acquisition shows that there are certain things in the language process that that takes time. You like the writing could be like the last thing to to be processed in certain students. So and we're expecting them to do it in a year, you know. So I really think a teacher who doesn't understand how second language works, read about it. You know, there's mm-hmm. so much research out there that can highlight you in understanding that hey, a student has been here six months and they haven't said a word, that's that's part of the culture shock. You know, that's, that's the way it is. It really takes six months for them to just be a sponge and not say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, really, this, the learning of the second language acquisition will teach you what to do to help the student grow in linguistic levels. And so it's not just about the ESL teacher doing the work. I'm sorry, but Mm. research shows that it's not just me teaching English. We are all, you you learn English in math, you learn English in social studies, you learn English in physical science. That's why I don't teach ESL in isolation. I go into the classroom. So while the student is learning math three, I'm helping them with the English language because that's what research says. And so the more we know about this research behind it, the more we're going to help students grow linguistically. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that I think that that's important to note that it isn't just about, you know, the ESL teacher Mm -hmm. being that's Mm -hmm. their kids, right? No, it's like everybody's kids, right? You want them to be, I mean, that's part of language acquisition Mm -hmm. is like you, they need to be in that classroom with that, with their peers learning alongside. Um, because I think that that is an, and that everyone is like, it's everyone's students, you know, and, um, that it's also, I think that's great. Like that you're right alongside them because I think that they, um, that's helpful. I know as a teacher, I appreciated co-teaching with the ESL teachers no. because they, I, well, I always loved co-teaching because you there, you know, I'm 
I'm imperfect. There are things that I miss or that you can, it's just like a rich experience for students to have someone else there to alongside the teacher, um, to help them also to, for them to maybe ask questions quietly, you know, um, because I think that that's Mm -hmm. even someone that they maybe have a safe relationship, like that they can be right there with them too is is great. Yes. One of my, uh, uh, good friends who just did a seminar, uh, said, you know, we're, we don't know everything. That's Katie Topple. And that's why we need to build collaboration with teachers because we build on somebody else's strengths. And I was like, oh, that is, that's what we do in co-teaching. Like I'm walking into math three. I'm not a math three expert. You know, I'm clueless about, I'm learning from the teacher, but I'm an, a second language acquisition expert. And so I'm taking my expertise and her expertise to help the student be successful. And so important to see the value in others' strengths. Because if I walk in there saying, I'm the one here saving this ELL, that's the wrong mindset. You know, that's going to mm-hmm. push away that co-teacher versus luring that teacher toward um, that mm-hmm. Yeah. And that teacher probably learns things from you that then can impact all of the students. Because I think that there's, I always think there's concepts in, in, in differentiating instruction and differentiating for that language learners that also can help other students too, in, in small ways, you know? Um, because I think that that, uh, those, I don't know, it just like helps enrich the experience for, for everyone. I agree. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about learning about, um, you know, second language acquisition. Are there any other resources besides your book, of course, uh, that you would point educators to that could be helpful in supporting their students? I mean, I'm, I'm huge about, you know, whenever a book comes out, a professional development book, I read it. And again, you know, there's new research out there that is changing the pedagogy, like something I used to do years ago doesn't work anymore. You know, like popcorn reading. I used to be huge back then. It doesn't work anymore. So as I read a book, I'm like, oh, this is new. I'm going to change it. So Boosting Achievement by Carol Salva is a book that has taught me how to work with newcomer students. And Valentina Gonzalez writes a lot about reading and writing. Sarah Otto's book that says Language Lens teaches a teacher how to see their content through a language lens. So books like that, I mean, I can name many, many books, but as soon as the book is out, I'm like, I get my hands on that book because I need to learn more than what I already know. And so, I mean, it read memoir, you know, 2% of the books out there are about the immigrant experience. You know, Solito just came out and I have never, we have never had books out in the world about nine-year-olds crossing the desert. There it is. Read it. Mm. Wives have crossed deserts, but they have not written books about it until now. And so anytime that something comes out out there written by others who know more than we do, read it, get to know Mm. it, research. 
Well, and I think that the other thing I would always tell teachers is to, especially English teachers in their classroom libraries, to be intentional about the books that they have available for students. Because if a student can read a book that reflects their life, that makes them feel so not alone. Like you said, you know, you're not alone and yeah. stories help you feel not alone. Yeah. And cause isn't, I, I forget whose quote it is, but often, you know, the idea that stories help you go, Oh, me too. Like, oh. you know, like, Oh, you know, and I think that that is really powerful for students. I know that a lot of my students really appreciated when yeah. they had books with characters that looked like them, that had experiences like them um, because they, they see themselves reflected in those. And that's so powerful for yeah, human and, beings for that. Yeah. And it shapes, um, the, uh, the teacher's perspectives too, because I can walk in a classroom and I don't know about your life, but if I see that you have a book on your desk about an immigrant experience, that will say a lot about you. Like, mm -hmm. wow, this teacher is reading about immigrant experiences. I want to know more. Like I want to connect with her. Maybe she does care, you know? So it's important for children to see you reading books like that. That way they, they can, they can get closer to you because that it's like a mirror. It reflects yeah. that you really care about other perspectives. Yeah, that's very true. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today. I love asking this question kind of at the end for you. I know that you have a very unique background as far as your school experience, but did you have anything that in school that was fun for you that you thought was a really fun, like uh, extracurricular or like thing that you were like, this is, this was actually fun. This kept you going back to school. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I don't know if I can answer that question, but you know, when, when I was in, in, in high school here in the United States, I would say that uh, since we didn't have Google, I mean, I, I it was, it's fascinating today to pick up the phone and translate in a matter of seconds, but really pulling out a paper dictionary and thesaurus and just having translations and reading different levels of English words. I mean, for me, that was fun. <laughs> I love that. I'm such a geek. I'm sorry, but that to me, like my mama can tell you like, at the table, I will spread out all kinds of dictionaries and look, oh, this word is similar to this word. So I was such a geek about trying to make those personal connections. So that was me. And even today, you know, look at my books. I'm such a huge reader. <laughs> I know. I was admiring your books on the background. I was like, yeah. I know that title. <laughs> so it carried on, you know, as, as, as a kid involved in books and research and reading and study and it carries on to today. So I guess that's, that was my, my kind of fun. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. It was a delight to get to know you and your story. And I'm so excited to tell people about your book and share it with all my educator friends, because I know that this is really powerful and can change kids' lives. And so just thank you so much for, for talking with me today. No, thank you for the space and time. Thanks for listening to School and Around, a podcast hosted by Branching Minds. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear all our future episodes. 
As well, if you're enjoying our content, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on iTunes? This helps others find our podcast and let us know how much you love what we're creating. Branchy Minds is an educational technology company using learning sciences and technology to help districts effectively personalize learning through MTSS. To learn more about us, check out our website, branchyminds.com, or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Branchy Minds.